Ciao, everyone. Welcome to Italia Mia, a new podcast sponsored by the Sons and Daughters of Italy in America, the largest fraternal organization in the United States. I'm Luisa Potenza, your host. Italia Mia will be aired twice weekly, on Sundays and again on Wednesdays. I know that all of you who have immigrant parents have heard them talk about the old country, and I'm sure it sparked a lot of interest in you. But have you gone so far as to find your roots? Well, I would all recommend that to you. I did that early in the 60s. I'm going to relate the experience to you. When I got back, I was inspired to write a cookbook, and I'm going to be reading from the cookbook, and hopefully it will inspire you to do that very thing that I did many years ago. Search for your roots. Put it on your bucket list. Well, I think you all know that Italians are all about food and family. Growing up, my mother would relate stories of her childhood in the tiny village of Cirigliano, located in the province of Basilicata, also known as Lucania. Her stories were peppered with charming anecdotes of life in Italy, like foraging for mushrooms after a rainstorm, making homemade sausage, and picking wild-grown herbs and vegetables. On a sad note, she would tell of leaving her baby brother, a sister and grandmother, for the promise of a better life in America. And so it was that in the late 60s, inspired by my mother's stories, I decided to unite with family I had never met. How can I ever forget? We traveled on treacherous, winding mountain roads from the city of Naples to the tiny village of Cirigliano. The drive seemed endless, I stopped peasants who rode their donkeys along the edge of the road and asked for directions. They shrugged their shoulders. They had never heard of the village. After several frustrating hours, I found my destination, Cirigliano. The cobblestone streets were cluttered with cackling chickens, whitewashed stone houses which had withstood the ravages of time and nature in the form of earthquakes and landslides, clustered together as if to support themselves. Curious villagers crowded around my Volkswagen for a better look at the stranger, a modern-day woman, a rare sight at the time. When I was asked if they could be of any help, I resorted to rusty Italian to inquire of the Urgo family, my mother's people. A small elderly woman, dressed in traditional black morning garb, ran up the cobblestone street as if the very devil were in pursuit, shouting out my aunt's name. And then Aunt Matilda. Oh, I'm confusing Aunt Matilda. Aunt Matilda is a dear aunt who has passed on, but in Italy her name was Aunt Madalena. Suddenly she appeared. She rushed toward me, hugging me and crying as the townspeople gathered around their faces wreathed in smiles. I was taken to her small stone house where I met her daughters, my newly found cousins. My uncle Giambattista had long since left for work in Germany, like so many other men of the village. 
Separation of families was commonplace back then. It was the only way a man could support his family. The inevitable feast was prepared to celebrate my arrival. My Aunt Elena, Cousin Pietro, and Uncle Nicolo, members of my father's family, arrived from the nearby town of Stigliano to meet me and take part in the festivities. An antique wooden table groaned with a seemingly endless array of food. A stew of mixed vegetables cooked with homemade sausages, which had been air-dried over an open hearth. Baby pumpkins cooked in a spicy base were accompanied by grilled lamb and stewed goat. A pyramid of freshly made ricotta cheese placed in the middle of the table acted as a centerpiece. The aroma of freshly baked biscuits just removed from a centuries-old oven wafted through the rustic kitchen. And homemade red wine, stored in the family cantina for months, was brought out. It lent a robust touch to the meal. Here was a feast fit for a king, beautiful in its simplicity, yet hearty and soul-satisfying. That same evening, more relatives and paisanos arrived to greet the curiosity, La Americana, and to reminisce about childhood days spent with my mother and father. And Eleanor never left my side for a moment, as though she feared I would suddenly vanish into thin air. The next morning, a procession of relatives accompanied me to the central piazza, where a monument to native sons who had died in World War II had been erected. Etched in stone was the name Urgo Giuseppe Caporale Quindici Junio in the year 1940. Corporal Joseph Urgo, my 19-year-old uncle, who had died in battle in World War II. At 4 a.m. on the day of my departure, a loud knocking disturbed the morning stillness. There at the door was Uncle Nicola, his arms laden down with shopping bags. They held what every Italian considers security, a storehouse of food. On the off chance I might go hungry on the way back to Rome, he had packed sausages, cheeses, bread, and a bottle of his homemade wine. And then I was gone but no longer a stranger. Cirigliano is no longer steeped in the past. Several changes have occurred. The stone basin in the piazza where the women of the town did their wash is gone. A small hotel on the outskirts of town has been built. Summer concerts take place in the piazza. Centuries-old stone houses have been renovated, housing modern-day appliances. And Basilicata, once known as the Forgotten Region, is host to many European travelers. The nearby village of Leano attracts tourists and students alike, chiefly because doctor, writer, and artist Carlo Levi was exiled to Aliano in the 30s because of his anti-fascist writings. The town of Matera, famous for Isasi, once cave dwellings, was named the European Culture Capital in 2019. Yes, many changes have taken place in Italy, but despite these changes, 
the ancient past beckons. Viva Italia! Basilicata, home of my ancestors, was once called Lucania by the Romans and Basilicos by the Greeks and is located at the instep of the Italian boot, south of Naples and in the Lucanian Apenninan mountain range. It is an ancient territorial division of southern Italy, bordered by Puglia to the north and east, Campania to the west, and Calabria to the south. Basilicata carries the imprint of the many cultures that once inhabited this land. First came the Lucanians, who conquered the region in the middle of the 5th century BC, followed by the Greeks, the Spaniards, the Goths, the Normans, the Longobards, the Swabians, and the Oscan Samnites, which were a tribal people, also the Saracens and the Byzantines. The central government in Rome chose to ignore the needs of these people for years, considering them backward and primitive. As a result, the isolation and lack of economic growth fostered poverty and hardship. The daily struggle for survival in the absence of outside help spawned suspicion and tribal attitudes. But in the face of adversity, Insular traditions and customs were born, sparked by an indomitable spirit for survival. In days long since gone, the people of Basilicata lived a totally insular life. Cars were unheard of, and transportation was by mule or horse, because only these reliable animals could travel the treacherous winding mountain paths that passed for roads. During the harsh winter months, heavy snow made these paths impassable. Life was hard. There was no time and no means of socializing. Each village was a small world unto itself. The region otherwise otherwise known as Il Mezzogiorno is described in Carlo Levi's classic book, Christ Stopped at Eboli as an unyielding, harsh, forgotten land. Levy, a noted doctor and writer, was exiled in the 30s to the village of Aliano for his anti-fascist writings. In his book, he gives Aliano the fictitious name of Galliano, recounting tales of the peasantry and their day-to-day struggles with poverty and disease. The hardships suffered by its inhabitants in the form of earthquakes and floods are etched on the faces of the elders. The courage and fortitude displayed by these villagers in the face of adversity so inspired Leve that he asked upon his death to be interred in the town cemetery along with the people he had forged an enduring bond. A simple monument bearing his name, dates of his birth, and death mark his burial plot. For visitors who make the journey to Italia Romantica, most of their time and money is spent along well-traveled roads to Rome, Venice, Florence, and the Amalfi Coast. 
Basilicata is described by travel writers as a land sconosciuto, unknown. And yet, its history and landscapes are as grandiose as that of the preferred north. Greek ruins are visible in Metaponto, Heraclea, and Siri, the coastal area of Basilicata. They are testimony to the once prosperous towns of Magna Grecia, colonized by the Greeks in the 7th century BC. In Rionero del Vulture, north of Potenza, the capital city, the grapevines which the Greeks carried with them on their journey across the Ionian Sea endure. The vines are still producing one of Italy's finest wines, Aliano del Vulture. Beyond the beautiful landscapes lie other small medieval villages situated on the crest of the majestic Apennino Lucano mountain range, dominated by the ruins of baronial castles, cathedrals, and archaeological ruins. From a distance, they appear like mystical dwellings. In Venosa, birthplace of the Latin poet Horatius Flaccus, a Roman castle stands, and a monument in the city square pays homage to the, to the south, a short distance from Potenza, the abandoned villages of Campo Maggiore Vecchio, Turso, and Craco, devastated by landslides and earthquakes, sit atop the mountains, silent sentinels to the past. The city of Matera, whose history dates back to the Paleolithic period, is identified mainly for Isasi, massive cave dwellings formed in the late Middle Ages. In the 1950s, the inhabitants of Isasi were forced to relocate. A few families remain. The interiors of their modest dwellings are equipped with modern-day appliances and TV sets, providing an incongruous sight. The villages of Barile and San Costantino Albanese are home to the original Albanian settlers. Their ethnic characteristics, dialect, and folklore are still in evidence. The majestic Lucanian Dolomites is home to the villages of Castelmezzano, Pietro Pertosa, once a Saracen fortress, Acetura, Olivetto, Lucano, and Calciano. From a distance, they appear to be mystical dwellings. Potenza, the regional capital, is now a mecca of modern-day living. High-rise dwellings, chic boutiques, and all of the trappings associated with progress are here. But amidst all of this advancement, the traditions of the past endure. Clusters of pensioneri, old men, engaged in animated conversation fill the central piazza, obviously enjoying their liberation from the drudgery of farm life. Women are noticeably absent. It is still the custom to leave the women at home to tend to household chores, at least for the older generation. Strolling through the piazza, it is as though one were trapped in an ever-changing time warp, catapulted into the past one moment and then abruptly returned to the present. It is said here that the ancient days are over and the new 
have yet to begin. And now, from, from Basilicata to the Eternal City, Rome. Imagine, you have a vineyard, and for years archaeologists have been actively searching for Roman artifacts for almost a hundred years. The search has been concentrated on the wine region of Verona. Since 1922, their efforts were rewarded recently. A perfectly preserved Roman mosaic was unearthed. The mosaic, in vibrant red, brown, gray, and white colors, is estimated to be from 250 to 400 A.D., part of an ancient villa. You might say, vineyards yield more than grapes. They reveal the past. Yet another discovery in Rome. A sinkhole appeared recently in front of the Pantheon. More than eight feet below the cobblestones, seven travertine blocks reveal themselves. They date back to 25 B.C. by Emperor Augustus's architect, Marcus Agrippa. The eternal city keeps giving and giving.